When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is the Training Camp Report with Tom Opperman and Bob Labriola on Steelers Nation Radio. Labs, today must feel just like Christmas morning, the 4th of July, wrapped up into one big day. The pads are coming on. There's some actual football being played up there at Latrobe this afternoon. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's it's as close as it's ever going to get in a training camp setting, and it's time. Uh, you know, not only for me and other people who, are, who have to watch, but I think the players are ready for this too. You know, I... Um, I'm particularly interested to see how the offensive linemen uh, react to some of this because, you know, they've been kind of, I won't say made to look bad, but the circumstances in which they have been um, participating or practicing uh, have made them look bad. You know, you're an offensive lineman and you're trying to block T.J. Watt or keep T.J. Watt off whoever the quarterback is without hitting them. (laughs) Good luck with that. You know, I mean, Alex Highsmith, T.J. Watt, Nick Herbig, I mean, all these guys, that's quickness, speed, athleticism, you know, are the uh, uh, specific skills that they utilize to be really good at their job. Certainly Highsmith and Watt more than Herbig so far. But, I mean, you're not allowed to put a body on them. I mean, how, how is Dan Moore supposed to block Highsmith if you can't hit him? I mean, seriously. So, uh, you know, that ends today. And, uh, yeah, I think we're going to see some interesting things. You know, again, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm just going by, um, you know, Mike Tomlin's typical MO. Uh, There will be backs on backers. And I think that, and there will be also, um, I don't know what they call it. you know, I always tease Craig Wolfley and call it uh, the pig pit when um, <laughs> they do the linemen do one on ones against each other. That's so rude. Because of you can you. always. <laughs> I can't believe you do that to poor Wolf. <laughs> no, no, he love. I mean, <laughs> he love. I mean, he he is happy as a pig in slop. I mean, in in that kind of um, environment. And so when there's seven on seven uh, for the receivers and defensive backs, usually the linemen then are in a a different part of the, um, you know, complex, field complex, going at each other one-on-one. And, you know, I'm interested to see that. You know, Cam Hayward against, I don't know that Cam Hayward's going to get a lot of reps today. Um, To me, that's kind of unnecessary unless uh, Mike Tomlin decides that one of the linemen, gee, I don't know, like the number one draft pick, uh, might need to get a little taste of uh, what it's like and, um, you know, might match them up against Cam once or twice in that drill. And, um, you know, just to get a a feel for what NFL strength is like versus what SEC strength is like in terms of, you know, the level of competition. So, um, yeah, those are some of the things that 
I'm kind of looking forward to. Uh, I think it should be a nice day for the fans who, who decide to come out today and, and watch this. And uh, yeah, it's it's time. I, I, I'm re- I'm ready. Yeah, and like you said at the jump, the players, I think, are the ones that are the most ready to put those pads on you. You see some routine chippiness out there in the past couple of acclimation periods that the Steelers have had, and I think that's just guys, you know, at the end of their rope when it comes to, I can only do so much here without actually being able to use my physicality. Like you said with the linemen, that physicality is the great equalizer. Highsmith and Watt are faster than every offensive lineman that they're going to face throughout the season, It's the ability to put some pads on them to use that size, that physicality that can equalize and and limit some of that speed. Yeah, and, you know, I I just think that, um, you know, I understand the point of the acclimation period. I I get it. I understand what the rule is meant to, you know, meant to do. Um, But I just think guys are, you know, it's it's been hot out here. You know, you're out there going through – and I'm speaking specifically about the linemen because, you know, the the receivers and the defensive backs and stuff, they, they kind of have to play in space even when pads are on anyway. Right. Uh, and there's not going to be any hitting downfield on receivers. No screamers over the middle from Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, you know, and that's another thing since um, since I just made myself think of this. You know, we're going to see uh, more. We're going to learn more about the receivers starting today, too, because, you know, it's no longer uh, a, a carte blanche kind of situation where, uh, you know, they can just run around in the secondary and know that, you know, the worst thing that can happen is maybe, you know, a, a defensive back like and cor- a cornerback like Joey Porter Jr., who's shown a real knack for this, reaching around and knocking the ball down. You know, now you might, you know, there might be some more, and again, like you said, no screamers or anything, but there's a little bit more of a threat, you know, of some of that kind of stuff. And, you know, you learn a lot more about receivers now than you do, you know, during the spring or anything because, you know, they know they can't get hit. And so it's easy to be fearless (laughs) when nobody can hit you. Um (laughs) I don't know that it's as easy when they can. And so, you know, you learn uh, who has the heart for a lot of this kind this business. And, uh, yeah, I think we're going to see some guys rise to the occasion. And, you know, some guys have a tendency to shrink away when the when the um, hitting starts. And, you know, that's part of the evaluation process as well. Well, before we get too far ahead of ourselves and look at today's practice, we do have to recap what happened on Sunday since there was no show yesterday. Uh, Before we dive into the goings-ons of the last acclimation day uh, of practice Sunday, let's hear what Coach Tomlin had to say to the media following practice. Man, really significant day's work today um, because we gave some veteran guys a day off in some instances. We minimized the reps of some others, but it's not about them. It's about the elevated reps of the younger people under those circumstances. A guy like Broderick got an opportunity uh, to get more reps. Uh, Herbick on the defensive side of the ball being examples of that, Joey Porter. Um, so it's just really good days. Oftentimes these guys are going through the learning process, but they don't get an opportunity or as many opportunities as they would like to display that learning. And so some days we thoughtfully shorten the lines and increase their reps in an effort to gain exposure. Uh, they get an opportunity to put up or shut up. And then uh, we plan the next week accordingly. 
if guys make good use of those reps, we'll continue to look at them and, and continue on with this developmental process. Um, really excited about adding Quan Alexander to the group. Um, there's a, you know, a, a solid NFL player who, with a lot of in-game experience, and um, he's got both uh, experience, but at the same time, he's still, I think, 28 years old, and I think competition is an awesome thing. Uh, we don't have any preconceived notions about a role. Uh, we got some very capable guys at that position. Uh, we'll put them in an environment like this and let them sort themselves out. Uh, just really excited about the, the redevelopment of that positional room with E. Roberts and, and Cole and now him. Um, pretty cool thing. We'll just keep working those guys and, and allowing those guys to, to show what they're capable of. The, the awesome thing about it is um, they may be new to us, but they're not new to professional football. And I think that has quickly been revealed through this process with all with how all of those guys communicated and how quickly Quan was able to insert himself into the action today. I'll pause and open it up for questions. How important was it for you guys to add a guy like Quan uh, with his coverage skills to the inside linebacker unit? You know, we just we're interested in, in competition and so um, we'll we'll continue to have an eye for that and but it's not a new discussion. We've been in communication with Quan and his people for, for the better part of the summer. Why was now the right time to bring him in? Um, just, it just is. Sometimes you want to uh, wait on decision making in an effort to, to get quality looks at some of the young people that you're working with, et cetera. Um, there's a myriad of reasons why we um, have certain timing regarding acquisitions or decisions. Does he excel in one area over any other? You know, I'm not going to worry about his reputation and resume. We'll, that'll be established out here. Mike, you mentioned the room compared to last year. What do you like about that group of middle linebackers? Just getting to know them. What do you like about Aaron Curry leading them? I mean, you said redevelopment. You've got a whole... Again, getting to know him. Um, and don't get me wrong, obviously I know Coach Curry, but um, there's knowing people and then there's working with them. And, and, and we respect that component of it, and, and that's what we're discovering about ourselves as a collective in an environment like this. Is it typical for a guy to get as many reps as Quan did at the end there in team period after being here for, I don't know, a few hours? Yes. Is there anything more you can tell us about Monty Pottenbaum and you know, going on retirement? No, it is what it is. Do you plan on looking for another fullback or just riding with it? Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll go into our off day and, and look at the totality of, of what our needs are and make the appropriate decisions from there. Should we ask you Tuesday about Broderick and how he did with that many first team snaps? Or did something stand out to you about him today? Yeah, Tuesday would be a good idea. Okay. Yeah. Trey's been around for a couple of years. When you've had issues with safety, how much can you lean on him? How much has he grown over the last couple of years? Um, he's a smart kid. His, his growth has been continual. Um, you know, we just need more playmaking from him and all the other young ones. I was appreciative of, of the playmaking from Kenny Robinson today, another guy who had an opportunity to to rise up because of the short lines. Seeing Joey Porter Jr. get a lot of reps against all the different teams, how have you seen him take on just the challenges? Uh, he's ready and able. Um, I like his attitude. I like his preparation in terms of his condition and, and physical readiness. And we'll con continue every day with, with the maturation process by stepping out and competing. How significant is Casey from Joey? Um, don't know that. Um, I'll probably give you more information when I get it. But in environments like this, man, uh, we don't always have immediate immediate answers in that regard. Was Chooks four four? Did he have kind of that day off at the Again, it's not about Chooks. It's about more exposure to some others. We don't get an opportunity to elevate Broderick unless somebody's minimized. Same thing right. with Mitch today. Yes. All right, coach. Thanks, Thanks guys. Thanks.
Coach Tomlin following Sunday's practice up at St. Vincent College. And he talked about giving the vets a day off, including some on that offensive line lab. So you kind of saw some shuffling of the deck chairs on that O-line. You saw Broderick Jones get the start with first-team reps throughout practice at left tackle. You saw Dan Moore slide over to right tackle. Uh, Kevin Dotson jumped in at the guard spot for Ciamalo. I'm sure some people might be reading too much into that, saying, oh, you know what, maybe it's not just a battle for left tackle. Maybe you throw that right tackle in there as well. But if you listen to what Tomlin said there, it wasn't about the guys that weren't on the field. It was just about seeing the guys that were participating. Right, right. And, you know, when the way I think, you know, again, how this is going to um, play out, because we all assume that at some point, you know, Broderick Jones is going to, you know, end up in the starting lineup. And I do believe that the Steelers drafted him to play left tackle, okay? And so then I would assume that, you know, Dan Moore would then become the swing tackle. And so, you know, he's going to have to be a guy who can play either side. Um, So, you know, when you see some of that moving around like that, I think that that's just kind of, you know, getting a look at not only Broderick Jones, who's new, to the NFL, but, you know, Dan Moore hasn't played a lot of right tackle either, so you want to get a little <clears throat> look at him over there. And then one of the things, you know, that is kind of a, a Mike Tomlin trait at this time of the year and in these situations with young people is, okay, for example, all the rookies, most all of the rookies started out third team, you know, because now with 90-men rosters, right. you have that ability to have a third team. So, you know, for lack of a better phrase, let's refer to that as the JV. Okay, so you're playing with the JV and you're playing against the JV. And then if you do well against the JV, then you get a little shot at the var- with the varsity against the varsity. And then, you know, that's um, evaluated. As Mike Tomlin said, they have an opportunity to put up or shut up. And that's how guys ascend or descend on the depth chart during training camp. You know, wherever they are, you know, uh, first team, second team, third team, when it starts, they will get some opportunities against the better competition if they do well and do well to the point where they're better than the person who had been there in that spot, you know, then there could be a, a change. If they're not, then they either stay where they are or maybe somebody below them on the depth chart takes their spot. And that's how, you know, these things kind of, you know, uh, evolve over the course of a training camp. You know, Danny Smith, the special teams coordinator, always tells his people this, the young guys. Right now you're third team, but in September there's no such thing as third team in the NFL. So if you're not a starter on offense or defense by that time, you better be a starter on special teams, right. you know, right. or you're going down, you're heading down the road. So, you know, now it's, again, it's always been real, but now it's getting more real. And um, that's what makes today exciting a little bit for me. No question. One thing I will read a little too much into when it comes to, you know, the the moving pieces on the offensive line is I think that illustrates the depth that they have at that position this year. Uh, Much improved from last year. Although they didn't have to really call upon that depth, depth last year. No one really missed any time from that starting five, but... You can't really expect that to happen two years in a row at a position that experiences such a high volume of injuries. 
and you just have to feel a lot more comfortable with some of the pieces on that second unit that could have to rise up into the first unit. I mean, some of them, Dotson, uh, Kendrick Green, if he were to make the team, uh, and these are guys that have started for the Steelers for the past couple of years. Yeah, you, you cannot count on five offensive linemen playing, all of them playing 17 regular season games. I mean, that's you talk about hitting the lottery. That's that. That's the football equivalent of hitting the lottery. Yeah. I mean, how often can you <clears throat> and, um, expect or rely on five guys as a unit being able to start 17 games, especially, as you mentioned, at a position that is as physical as the offensive line? I mean, it just doesn't happen. And so I really think that you know, the Steelers did a good job in the offseason of recognizing that, and they really dove into yes. um, free agency to to reinforce that group. I mean, you know, for example, maybe Nate Herbig isn't a starter, but, you know, he's a, he's a lot better backup than whatever they would have had last year. And, you, you know, you have some situations where, you know, you, you bring in Isaac Samalu, and maybe he makes Kevin Dotson a backup, and now a guy who started 17 games for you last season, um, and you know was was a legitimate NFL uh, guard, is now a backup. And so you know that's that's the way you build a, a solid roster, you know, a roster that that can withstand the rigors of an entire NFL regular season. And uh, you know, I, I just that's one of just many things about this team, I believe, that gives it the potential, you know, to be better than last year's version. Well, Coach Tomlin, during his meeting with the media that we played for you, mentioned Quan Alexander, talked about him for a couple of minutes. We'll discuss the addition of Quan Alexander on the other side of the break and also hear from Quan himself as he caught up with the media following his first day of practice as a Steeler on Sunday. That's all on the way next. It's Tom Opperman and Bob Labriola on the training camp report here on SNR. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is the Training Camp Report with Tom Opperman and Bob Labriola on Steelers Nation Radio. The Steelers certainly have been active this offseason in filling holes that they find on their roster. Inside linebacker is no exception. It's been a massive changeover at that position and just got another new face added to the fold. Quan Alexander signed over the weekend and experienced his first Steelers practice. Uh, on Sunday. Labs, it's pretty late into the offseason with training camp starting for Quan Alexander to sign that deal, but I think on the bright side, having not had to go through any of the padded practices yet, he's got a decent enough runway to get himself ready to be a contributor for this team. Yeah, and, you know, Mike Tomlin was asked um, about, you know, why was the timing right, you know, to add him now? And, you know, Mike Tomlin said that, um, you know, there are different reasons why and 
however he answered the question. Mm-hmm. And this is just my take on this from uh, from outside looking in. I, I, I believe there maybe have been a couple of things at work. Maybe Quan Alexander's representatives believe that there would be something out there more for him than a one-year deal. And so they were trying to, you know, rather than jump on what the Steelers were willing to offer, look for something more significant in terms of length of deal and uh, the money involved in it. And then the other thing is, I think that the this is the kind of deal that, again, I'm, I'm speculating here. You know, when you're a veteran in the NFL in the salary cap era, one of the um, things that are in place is a team, if you only sign a guy to a one-year deal, you can um, th- there's a mechanism in place where you pay him uh, what his uh, number of years of service in the league will mandate on a minimum contract and then but th- it counts against the cap as a lesser amount there's some sort of veteran discount uh, involved there so you know you can get a guy you know Quan Alexander has some le- you know legitimate NFL experience. You could get him, and again, I'm making this up because I don't know the numbers specifically, but you could get him for, say, a million dollars, and it only counts 500000 on the cap. Now, he makes the million, but it only costs you right. um, 500000 on your cap. And so that's, you know, you see a lot of these kinds of deals uh, being signed around the league where veterans are taking one-year deals and you're thinking, gee, why would he do that? Or, you know, why are they only giving him one-year deal? Was well, is because, you know, the team gets a, a break cap-wise and the player gets the money, but then he's free again next year. You know, and Quan Alexander's still being 28 years old. He's going to be 29 years old and he gets hits free agency again. You know, if he has himself a nice big season, you know, maybe he cashes in, on a, on a much you know higher level than he was able to do this year, and so you know that's another reason why some of these things take as long as they do uh, to get settled. Now, when it comes to what Quan Alexander's role will be, that remains to be seen. Obviously, we have weeks of camp practices and three preseason games to get through to sort that out. But he's certainly starter capable. Like you mentioned, he's been around the block a few times, has had success in this league. That can apply to all of the other guys uh, that they brought in this offseason as well. Uh, Landon Roberts, Cole Holcomb, Tanner Muse, all with veteran experience at that position. So I'm not trying to say that you're going to find a Brian Erlacher or a Ray Lewis out of this new crop, but with how below the bar the play was from that position group last year, it is encouraging to see the proactive approach from the front office this offseason. A lot of changeover at that position and a lot of guys that have the experience in the NFL and could become serviceable at that spot. Yeah, because, you know, that's really a position that I think has changed and evolved in the league over the last, you know, 10 to 15 years where you need guys who are able to do more than one thing. I mean, you just can't have, like in the old days, you could have run stuffing inside linebackers. You know, we've talked about this before. You know, you put run stuffing inside linebackers on the field, there's somebody on the other team uh, they have up in the coach's booth with binoculars on, and they call down right away, <laughs> and the, the coordinator who is ever calling plays just calls a pass. And sometimes, you know, the good offenses don't even need to change personnel grouping to make that happen. You know, you can get um, really 
favorable matchups for the offense or bad matchups um, for um, the defense just with formations. I mean, you know, there were some times um, when the Steelers were playing the Chargers, uh, you, you know, you ended up with inside linebackers guarding uh, wide receivers in pass uh, situations. And, you know, everybody's complaining, how could they have that guy guarding that receiver? Well, the way it is, that's because of the way, you know, uh, the offense can line up in a formation and your defensive personnel is out there. So now you got to line up and figure out who's got who and try to do something about it. And, um, you know, that's that's why you need guys who are all situations kinds of players. That's why Ryan Shazier was such an integral part of that defense. That's why when he suffered that catastrophic injury in December 2017, um, that that kind of derailed that, you know, that team was 13-3. and three. Went one and done in the playoffs because, you know, you just can't lose a guy like Ryan Shazier and everything he could provide for your defense in, you know, early December and figure that out by the time the playoffs start. I mean, who are you going to get? Sean Spence? I mean, they brought him back after he had been gone for years. Um, you know, and it just didn't work out. So, I mean, in a lot of ways, um, Labs, they're still trying to figure out how to replace that guy. That's how much of a, a unicorn he was at the position. Those guys absolutely. don't just grow on trees. They do not. And, you know, if you're looking at the, the Steelers' current group at that position, you know, and again, I, I, we talk about this all the time, not wanting to hang a comparison on someone, but the, the guy that they have who is – most suited to the every situation kind of role is Cole Holcomb. You know, Landon Roberts, he's a veteran. He's played some. He's more of a, you know, a run-stuffing guy. Right. I think you could say that Quan Alexander also, you know, fits in that more of a run-stuffing guy. Not that they're incompetent or incapable, you know, of covering, but you don't want them lining up on wide receivers on third and eight or whatever, because that's a bad matchup for you. It just is. You know, maybe the other team's quarterback is able to take advantage of it. Uh, maybe he doesn't, but it's not a high percentage move for the defense to be in that situation. You know, the other guy at the spot, Mark Robinson. Now, there was a lot of enthusiasm, you know, about him late last season. You know, he's a, I think, uh, for me to label him a typical Steelers inside linebacker. He's physical, he runs around, he hits people, you know, all that good stuff. But let's remember, um, he had, in his college career, he played defense for 13 games his last season. Uh, you know, this is a guy who, he was recruited to be a running back out of high school. He was a running back for his, you know, first um, three years in college. Uh, and then he, he transferred to Mississippi where he became a defensive player. And, you know, he played 13 games for um, the Rebels at um, defense. Okay, so you pick him in, in the seventh round. Last year, he was only active for four games. He had a couple of starts at the end. Right. But again, you know, you're, you're trying to, um, you know, mix and match some things and you give him a try and as i said he he stood out because he was banging people he was running excuse me running around hitting people but you know fans think that well shouldn't he be getting 
more of an opportunity, you know, to to start or have a significant role this year. Well, you know, he's still got to compete. I mean, you don't hand a job to a guy like that and expect to be, uh, you know, a, a playoff slash contending team in the AFC North. Joe Burrow would love he's you got, to hand the ball to that kind of guy. Yes, right. Uh, so um, that's that's the situation at inside linebacker. All of those guys that I just mentioned, I think they all have a chance. Um, you know, and, and as Mike Tallman said, you put them all together and, you know, let the competition work it out. Um, but uh, the addition of Quan Alexander strengthens, I think, the overall uh, talent ability. It certainly raises the level of NFL experience uh, in, in, the, in that area. And, um, you know, let, let the players will work it out among themselves. I mean, there, there's going to be guys who rise and guys who don't. And, you know, at the end, um, it, it's going to be the players who make the decisions on who's kept and who does what as opposed to the coaches. And that decision starts to get made today when the pads come on and they can really start to flash some of their skills. Quan Alexander caught up with the media following Sunday's practice. Let's take a listen to the newly acquired Steelers inside linebacker. Was really big on defense, you know, linebacker. Coach T and AC, the linebacker coach, he was really cool. I got to uh, get to know him a little bit more. And then I just feel I feel, um, feel nice with the players and stuff. I'm ready just to rock out. Now you visited Pittsburgh in May. What made now the right time versus earlier this year? It was just God timing, you know what I'm saying? I wasn't rushing it, you know, being patient. And now it worked out for the best. What kind of role do you hope to expect to have here? Any kind of role they need me to play, I'm going to be a... You know, to go out here and do my job and make big plays. When you watch this defense from afar, do you feel like the, it was, that was part of the fit for you, the way they play here? Yeah, most definitely. Uh, Hard-nosed football, hit hard, run, get the ball, and that's what type of player I am. You remember Mike T from your pro day? Yeah, I do. I remember that. Yeah. He used to always come down there uh, to LSU for show for the pro day, so they always remember this face. Is that what the, when the relationship started? Uh, yeah, I met with my teeth uh, a couple times, you know, but uh, the, relationship, the relationship started was when I came up here, I finally met him, met him face-to-face, and we talked talk ball, talked business, and I, and I respected nothing but him. He always talked highly of you before games when mm-hmm. they played you. Yes, sir. Did he ever talk to you from the sideline or anything like that? Uh, no, I don't remember. I'd be really locked in when I'm in a game. I don't really be hearing that. I'd be blocking all the noise out, but I know he's a legendary coach, and I'm happy to be playing for him. Juan, how much are you looking forward to competing with guys like Cole and Landon, other guys that are veterans that have done this for right. a while? Uh, I'm happy to pe- compete, man. That's part of the game, man. Those guys are some some great players. You know, uh, I'm happy to be there with them, and we're gonna work. So with those two tri- guys, you know, Cole is more of the three down driven linebacker, mm-hmm. and it's more of a downhill traditional first and down, mm-hmm. second down thumper. Where do you fit into that? Which one are you more like? I'm both. I could do it all. Majority, uh, I could do majority of it all. And those guys, they can do it too. I've been watching them out here. They can do it all too, and we're working to be led to be the best linebacker group there is. The Steelers play a lot of man coverage, which ends up putting linebackers against tight ends and running backs. How confident are you in, in Very confident. Very confident in myself. You know, very confident in my abilities to go out there and make plays. You've had some pretty bad injuries throughout your career. Mm-hmm. Has that been part of the reason for this signing in July with other teams being wary? Uh, I'm not really worrying about the past. I can't, I can't get the past, but I'm worried about the future right now. And, and what was the future with future your look, overcoming future your injuries? Look, future look amazing, legendary. I'm ready to go out there and play. How much have those injuries kind of changed how you are as a player, the way that you approach things? Nothing's changed. I'm always go out there and do my, be myself. I don't worry about injuries. They always calm during games. You know, you got to be able to take care of yourself like I did last year, play the whole full season, 
You, know, you guys just know how to take care of yourself. As you look ahead to what you have to show in this camp, do you feel like you're playing catch up a little bit just because you weren't here in OTAs in, in minicamp? I'm year nine, man. Most of the stuff really the same, just different terminology. Uh, I just got to get back out here on the field, just practice those reps, and I should be straight. <laughs> Is that why you were able to get out there in some team stuff? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I caught on, I caught on uh, real quick. You know, getting the reps made it a lot better. So once I get these practice reps on me, I'll be straight. What are you wondering <laughs> at all if you were going to get the call at this stage? Can't already starting? Get the call as well. Sign somewhere. No, nah, I'm not worrying about that. I'm here. What are your early impressions of uh, Aaron Curry, linebacker's coach? Oh, yeah. He's cool, man. He knows what he's talking about. Man, I'm happy to be playing on him. You got here two days before that they're going to put the pads on. You're eager to already show, like, your, like your second practice. Yeah, that's that's me, man. I ain't worrying about no 717 seven and none of that. I put the pads on my hit. As you, can, as you can see, you can go watch film. Do you have a relationship with anybody on the team here before you sign? Yeah, I got, I got a couple homies out here. I, I train with in Miami and stuff like that. So I know a couple faces and some that I played against. So we all cool. So. so you said you played against this offense last year week four with the Jets. What do you remember about that game, um, whether it's Pickett or, or Najee or anybody or something like that? I remember that big hit I had. <laughs> Najee playing. I remember they played hard nose football, man. I respect every guy on that team. Uh, like I said, even Coach Tommy, you know what I'm saying? I just respect him for sure. Steelers inside linebacker Quan Alexander. Labs, I think it's safe to say that he is not short of confidence at all. Uh, that really comes through during that interview, and I'm sure, or at least I hope, it'll come through on his play on the field. Well, in, you know, in earlier segments, um, you know, I was mentioning the two different kinds of players, um, those that rise to the occasion when the pads go on and the hitting begins or those who shrink from it, <laughs> I think we know uh, from listening to Quan Alexander, which of those two groups he's going to fall into. And, you know, I just think that that's the kind of um, demeanor you need to have for that position. Uh, you know, so much of, um, you know, Devin Bush, what I think happened to his game towards the latter part of his Steelers career was, you know, he wasn't that um, thumper in the middle. Now, you know, Quan Alexander is not a big human being. He's not, uh, you know, he's not LeVon Kirkland. He's not, you know, his size. Um, but uh, you could hear him, you could hear it, not only in the words that he uses, but in the tone uh, with which he speaks those words. Um He's going to be mixing it up today. I mean, that's let's throw his name in as uh, another one that you know I'm interested to seeing how he responds to because um, two areas uh, I expect Quan Alexander will have an opportunity to show himself today at today's practice. One would be backs on backers, and I also believe that uh, you know Mike Tomlin has been doing this now for the last several years. There's a live tackling drill, and that's usually running plays. And <laughs> that's right up Quan Alexander's alley. I mean, because the offensive linemen are going to be coming off the ball. He's going to have to be dealing with them and then getting running backs on the ground. You know, I only anticipate a lot of that's going to be Najee Harris because, um, you know, I just don't know that that's a real high percentage move, having your first string running back uh, banging in there uh, the first day in pads at training camp, but there's going to be some uh, opportunities uh, to go against some running backs, and those those are going to be guys who are looking to uh, make this team. And so, yeah, it's it, it, Quan Alexander. Uh, I'm going to be watching him today 
just to see how he responds to some of those situations and then how the other players, you know, the, the players trying to block him or run around him or over him respond to his presence out there as well. Yeah, and I think there's no question when it comes to Quan Alexander, you know, he's a thumper, like we've been saying. He's good in run support, but with all of these linebackers, you have that question about the pass coverage. How can they do in coverage? Uh, do you think we might see any backs on backers pass today? Maybe get a little taste of them in coverage, or is it mostly just going to be, hey, running backs try to take on these linebackers from day one of padded practice? Well, I think today it's going to be backs on backers run or block or whatever, right. you know, the physical version. Then um, usually what happens is after uh, the backs take it on the chin, because usually you do, because, uh, you know, the way the drill is set up. It, it's weighted it's, in favor of the defense, yes. Absolutely. Uh, and then tomorrow, then they do the other one. And then the, the linebackers get a little taste of what it's like uh, to be, you know, in the uh, on the other, the, the get the short straw in the draw, and now you've got to cover a guy all over the field with no pass rush on the quarterback. You know, good luck with that. Um so the only guy I ever saw, really, who was consistently good at that part of it was Ryan Shazier. I mean, uh, because it, it's, it's a thankless, you know, pushing a rock up a steep yes. hill kind of task. Um, you know, I re even remember going back before necessarily Ryan Shazier had become Ryan Shazier. Try and cover Le'Veon Bell in that. You know what I mean? Seriously, that's just not. Um, it, it's it's not possible. I mean, but I can say that because you know I'm not a player or anything. But you know the other players. You, if you're a player, you can't say hey, that's impossible. I can't do that. Well, that's a good way to get yourself cut. But you know you get the point. I mean, there are just some of these drills. Yes, you want to see uh, the person who has the tougher. Uh, job or tougher assignment compete you know and try and you know make something happen um, but you have to understand that it's very unlikely that you know a guy is going to be able to win in that situation consistently I mean for example Jalen Warren I remember being really impressed with him last year uh, in backs on backers you know the physical version not so much because he was winning but because he was willing. That's the thing. I mean, are you willing to stand in there and take the punishment to do what's necessary to protect the quarterback? You know, I wouldn't say that Jalen Warren as a rookie was winning a lot of those matchups, but I mean, he wasn't shying away from it either. And, you know, sometimes that's good enough. Um, as Mike Tomlin has referred to it sometimes, you know, get your butt kicked with dignity. Yes. You know, and that's what that's what that shows. And a lot of times, I won't say it's good enough, but it's good enough to earn you some repetitions or some opportunities and some other kinds of drills where maybe you can then use your advantage uh, skill set uh, to make the other guy uh, have to get his butt kicked with dignity. Yeah, I mean, when you're a running back and you're trying to protect the quarterback in the NFL – it's not like you're pancaking these guys like you're Alan Fanica. A lot of these times you're just catching them and you're just getting blown up and you're biting the bullet for your quarterback. So, yeah, this drill, certainly a way to highlight uh, if you have the willingness 
to do that. We're going to keep talking about the padded practice. We are both extremely excited about real football getting underway today, and there's one angle about it with the defensive backs that I wanted to touch on with Labs before we wrap things up. That's on the way next. You're listening to the Training Camp Report on SNR. This is the Training Camp Report with Tom Offerman and Bob Labriola on Steelers Nation Radio. Things get ratcheted up a notch today when the pads come on. We've talked throughout this Training Camp Report episode about, you know, offensive line getting some help with the pads, starting to evening the playing field there. But one group that I'm interested in seeing with pads on is that defensive back unit. And there's a lot of interesting new pieces there, obviously, with Patrick Peterson and Joey Porter Jr. But, you know, the one thing that I keep hearing from people is this is a big physical group. They are going to be a bear to go up against for opposing receivers. And now with the pads coming on, I really want to see Joey Porter Jr., how he handles himself at the line of scrimmage. Pat Pete, a Hall of Famer, he knows how to handle himself. But just to see it in action, uh, I think that's an avenue that the Steelers' defensive backs can really exploit is, you know, sometimes the best way to stop a Jamar Chase from burning you deep is not even letting him get into his route in the first place. Yeah, that's certainly going to be – I don't know that that's necessarily going to be a component of today's practice, but that's another one of the um, matchups or the unit versus unit competition things that we'll see, you know, as we get a little bit deeper into the padded practice portion of this training camp. And, yes, you're absolutely right about, you know, uh, Joey Porter Jr., Corey Trice Jr. Uh, These are guys who – tall, long cornerbacks – you know, whose game is kind of built around um, being physical. Now, certainly Joey Porter is has, you know, athletic skills to go along with that because otherwise he wouldn't have been the first pick of the second round. Uh, Corey Trice obviously has some good size and length, um, but let's not forget he was a seventh-round pick. Right. So there, there are reasons for all of this. Um, but, there, you know, there are drills – you know, it's it's kind of like um, uh, they call it, one of the uh, slang terms for it is you know little man backs on backers, and what it involves is you know a receiver and a defensive back, um, you know, and they're they're in a limited area of the field. In other words, there's a kind of a uh, a track, for lack of a better word, of uh, where you're not supposed to go outside of it. You know, you're required to stay in this um, confined space. And, you know, the receivers are trying to get around the defensive back, and the defensive back is trying to get them on the ground. And, you know, that can be intense um, uh, because, you know, receivers are able to use not only strength, but, you know, also short area quickness, stiff arming the guy, that kind of thing. And, you know, a defensive back has to break them down and as I said, even though it's a limited area or a restricted area, so to speak, it's still enough space where Deontay Johnson can make you look really silly trying to tackle him. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's something that I find interesting, too. And, uh, you know, it's just another one of those drills. Like, we're talking a lot about backs on backers uh, blocking today and the one-on-one offensive versus defensive linemen today. Uh, but there, there's a lot, there's a lot of different tricks up Mike Tomlin's sleeve in terms of you know 
matching up uh, individuals or matching up uh, positions and seeing how you know they respond to competitive situations and uh, you know this is this is now this is it this this is training camp now and you know national uh, people who come media people who come to the Steelers uh, training camp on a regular basis Judy Batista Peter King you know a lot of these people. And they, because they have an opportunity to see how it's done, all the other leagues, uh, teams do it. This is physical here. I mean, this is not, they're not, they're not messing around. This is, I understand that there's acclimation periods and you're only allowed in the field so long and there's a lot of rules and stuff. But hey, I'm telling you, this is not, um, you know, flag football anymore. It's not. And, and so, like you said, that's not uniform across the league. You know, I, I remember, I, I know he's not a head coach anymore, but Nathaniel Hackett. People were saying last year in Denver it was a bit, you know, easy as far as training camp was concerned. Not easy. You know what I mean, though. They, he took it easy on a lot of his players in the physical aspect. That's not going to be the case here in Pittsburgh. No, and, and but I will say that, you know, again, you're not going to see Cam Hayward doing a, a lot of hitting necessarily. <laughs> I mean, it's just, He remembers again, how to do it, he, I think. Yeah, and he has earned, you know, he, he has uh, earned a certain stature, you don't want to beat him up. He is of a certain age now where, you know, he needs to be ready for the season because you want him to be uh, available uh, for the whole season. So, you know, there are going to be guys who um, are, I won't say uh, handled with kid gloves, but you're right. not going to beat him up either. It's, it's just not it's just not smart. But, but you are going to utilize is, them at times to help, you know, bring along some of the younger guys. Like he's mentioned at the absolutely. beginning of the show, Broderick Jones versus Cam Hayward. I mean, that's a big jump from college to the pros right there. Yes, it is. And so, um, you know, not every uh, veteran is going to participate in every drill every day. Um, you know, Mike Tomlin will help them take care of their bodies. But uh, there, there's more. There's still more hitting uh, in Latrobe than there is at just about any other NFL training camp site. The pads come on today. Practice at 155 at St. Vincent College. That's going to do it for the training camp report. We'll be back again tomorrow at 8 a.m. to recap that first padded practice. But we're going in the locker room next. Wolf and Starks, I'm sure they are very excited for those pads to come on and see their fellow offensive linemen, you know, finally get a chance against some of these great pass rushers that the Steelers have. So we'll take it to the locker room next. You're listening to SNR. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.